We want to see what's on the inside of you coming out. We also want to play a role in helping you work out your insides. We want to see the church arise, and it starts when the people in the church arise, because the people are the church. So this series, Made for More, it's not just a catchphrase. It's something we believe. You know, they say that the things you're most frustrated about are the things you're most passionate about. I get so frustrated when what's in me doesn't come out on the inside. I get so frustrated when I see what's in others not coming out. I get so frustrated when people believe things about themselves that isn't true, that God didn't tell them, that isn't, you know, isn't in line with God's word. I get so frustrated when that happens in my life, when I make decisions and I, I live out of a belief that shouldn't be there. And you know what? We are made for more. I'm preaching off my phone for the first time because I knew I was made for more. No more paper. I'm a bit nervous. It might crash or something. Apparently I'm, not, I'm meant to use the thumb or something. Is that right? Use your thumbs. Not my middle finger or my... I use that finger, actually, so... I'm going to live that. That's what I believe. I believe it's the index finger, and that's what I'm going to do. You know what? When I think about this life on the inside of us, I can't help but think of the chapter of 1 Samuel and verse 16. You know, it's the story where Samuel, who in the Old Testament was a prophet, he was, he was the prophet of God at the time, and his job was to go to a family of, of, of guys whose dad's name was Jesse. And God sent him and said, go and choose one of the sons of Jesse and anoint them as king, and I'll tell you who it is when you get there. So he turns up, and this is counted in, in 1 Samuel 16. You can find it there. You'll notice there are Bibles on the rows. You can use those Bibles. You can look this up. And if you don't have a Bible, guess what? You can take that one home with you, but don't sell it on eBay, all right? Keep it, because we, we want you to get that on the inside, because you're made for more, amen? Amen. amen. He didn't see. <laughs> um, so anyway, Samuel turns up at this house, and the first son comes out, and his name is Eliab, or Eliab, or Eli, let's call it. And uh, Samuel saw him, and he was tall, and he was big, and he thought, here he is. This guy is definitely the king. But God told him this, looks aren't everything. Thank God for that verse. <laughs> looks aren't everything. I wish I was good looking like Sam Cogger, you know. <laughs> Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. <laughs> I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. That verse, that is the gospel right there. It's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the inside. You know what? If you care about what people think, you'll manage the exterior of your life. But if you care about what God thinks, you'll manage the heart and you'll manage your mind because that's what God sees. This world is so full of exterior things. You know, we have social media, we have Facebook. Yeah, it's so easy to look good on Facebook, isn't it? Who's done that before? Yep. We always post the good stuff that happens. 
Um, you know, it's so easy to look good and to manage the outside, but on the inside, there's something going on. You know, God is interested in our heart. And God, you know why God's interested in our heart? Because we were made for more. That day when Samuel turned up and he looked at Eliab and he thought, that guy is definitely the king. Guess what? He wasn't the king. So he goes through the other sons and eventually they, they go, he goes to Jesse, is this it? Is there somebody else? And Jesse said this, well, and this is how he said it. There's the runt. The runt of the family, he called him in the message. Um, there's a runt, but he's out with the sheep. And Samuel goes, bring him in. Bring him in. The story goes, as soon as he comes in and he sees him, the Spirit of the Lord just prompted Samuel and said, rise up, anoint this guy, he's going to be king. You know what? What Jesse, this was the guy's dad. This was David's dad. And he said, he's a runt. A runt is not good for much. This was his dad's opinion of him. This is what his dad saw. Because men look on the outside. But guess what God saw? God saw on the inside of him was a king. And all, that, all God needed to do was that king come out. You know, you were made for more. And God on the inside of each and every one of us, he sees a king. Even when the world sees something different, the world might see a runt or the world might see something that it doesn't think much of. They might think you're not good looking. They might think you're too short or too tall or too fat or too skinny. But guess what? God sees a king on the inside. And God wants to bring that king out in each and every one of us. And you know what? We think of this king as being this far off thing. But it's not. You can be a king in the everyday. You can be a king right now. You can be a king on the way home just by doing good for somebody. Being kingly isn't about having status or having a throne. Being kingly is an attitude. It's a lifestyle. It's the way we treat one another. It's, it's being the way God intended us to be, which is made for more. If you care about what people think, you'll manage the exterior. If you care about what God thinks, you'll manage the issues of the heart and the mind. You know, we sang that song a minute ago, Wake Within Me. How good is that? Wouldn't it be good if that king that's on the inside of us just woke up? Let's believe that for ourselves. So my topic tonight is about words. You know, simple words. We say words, I'm saying words now. Even the word word is a word. The word for word is word. <laughs> that's weird, isn't it? Who thinks that's weird? If you think it's weird, do that. All right, good, thanks. Words are powerful, though. They're all around us. You know, they're the building blocks of culture. They're the building blocks of society. They're the difference between us and the animals. Except for galahs. They can talk, can't they? And cockies, can they talk? Parrots. But they're the difference between us and animals. You know, who we are and how we act is the sum total of our experiences, including actions and words spoken to us. You know, God put potential in us, but what we do with that is up to us. We're surrounded by words, and there are two things that I want to talk about tonight in, in, in respect to words. One is, be deliberate about the words that you say. Be deliberate about the words you say. Be deliberate about the words you say. The second is, be deliberate about the words you receive. 
I'm not talking about the words you hear. I didn't say the words you hear because sometimes you're in situations and you can't help but hear bad words and you'll have people around you that will say negative words like Jesse said about David. He's a runt. That was his own dad. How could David avoid that? It's not about the words you hear, although if you're smart, you'll put yourself into a position where you're hearing good words, where you're hearing words of faith, where you're reading the Bible, where you're listening to the message coming from the pulpit. You'll put yourself in those situations where you hear good words. But I didn't say just hear the words. Be deliberate about the words you receive. Because on the inside of you, you are building something and you are building the king that God put inside of you, just like he did to David all those years ago. Be deliberate about the words you say. Be deliberate about the words you receive. And these two are linked. You know what? You will live out of the the life that's on the inside of you eventually. On, On my bookshop bookshelf at home, there's a a book by Henry Cloud called Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. I have not read that book. Looks too hard. Doesn't have pictures in it. (laughs) It's not about cricket. (laughs) No, I do read books, but I didn't have to read that book because as soon as I read the title, I thought, yes, that's true. You know, my boss, I've got a new boss at work and recently he found out I'm one of those God people. And uh, another lady at work, she said, because I've been on this television ad. Who's seen it? Has anyone seen it? I'm on this TV ad and it's advertising the school, uh, this, this Christian school up the road. And um, my girls don't go to that school anymore. They go to a different school. But they're still running the ad. It's probably one of these ads that, you know, they spend a lot of money and they're going to get their value out of it. So it'll probably go forever. And every time it goes on again, people from work go, saw you on telly last night. <laughs> Did you get paid for that? You should be getting royalties. I got a video, I got a village cinema voucher. That was it. But anyway, it's better than nothing. Anyway, one of the ladies, she comes up and she goes, Oh, you a God squad, are you, Royce? You're on that Christian school ad. And you know, my boss, he's only, he's only just become my boss. And the other day, the inevitable happened and he found out I'm a Christian and I go to Door of Hope and I, I do this and that. You know, I thought about that and I thought, how close does someone have to get to me before they know that I'm a Christian? How close does someone have to get to you before they know you're a Christian, before you're a God squad? For me, it was a little bit, it took a little bit long, you know, because we're working, it doesn't come up in conversation, but eventually he found out and now he knows and now it's out there and now I can live that. And you know what? What's on the inside of you will come out. It will come out because we ultimately live out of what's on the inside. How close does someone get to, get to you in your life and they find out that what's on the inside needs some improving? <laughs> yeah, it's called my wife. <laughs> she knows. She knows everything. She sees when I'm playing uh, Mario Kart with Amy Rosie on the couch and we get a bit heated. <laughs> She sees me in those moments where what's on the inside needs a little work. (laughs) She sees the good stuff too. But you only get to see the good stuff. Because I'm up here now, I'm preaching, you think, that Royce, he's got it together. (laughs) I'd like you to believe that. (laughs) That's great, you keep on believing that. You know what? God sees everything. 
And these two things are linked, what you receive and what you, the words you speak. Because you know what? What's on the inside of you, you will speak out of that. And then you will receive what people speak into your life. So what's on the inside of me? I come up to Sam and I'd say, you're a good bloke, Sam, and God believes in you. And he takes that away and he goes, wow, God believes in me because Roy said it. And then he'll go to somebody else and he will say something good to that person. And you get this whole effect where it snowballs if we get these positive words going. And we're always being deliberate about what we say to people. Not just giving our opinion, but actually seeking out a word for people. People that are in my life, that I'm praying for those people. And as I pray for those people, I'm aligning myself with God's purpose for that person. So then when I interact with them, I'm interacting out of a place that God put me. And hopefully what I say to them can be from a place of wisdom and can be a place of, of God's will and purpose for that person's life. So you see this, you get this whole snowballing effect. And 2 Corinthians 9 says this, we'll get under my slides in a minute, I've just got a preamble here, so. <laughs> says this, he gives you something which you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, I love this word, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. You know, God puts a deposit in you, he puts stuff in you, and out of that you can, you can be generous to people. He builds a robustness in your life if you let him. If you let him build the king on the inside, that can become a robustness that then becomes really valuable to others so that people can come to you and when they're around you, you are bringing out the king in them and they're bringing out the king in you. Iron sharpens iron, says the word. So maybe we better get onto my slides. What do you think? So Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love that verse. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a deliberate action. If we're not careful, we will just go with the flow. We'll just conform to the world. You know, but God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to be transformed. It's a deliberate act. We're deliberately choosing what we believe about ourselves. You know, there's plenty of scriptures that we can choose from if we want to build this king on the inside of us. Who knows some scriptures? Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. That's a good one, isn't it? It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Jesus leads me into triumph. They're the words I want to believe. They're the words I want to receive into my life. And I'm very deliberate about that. And I want you to be deliberate about that. And we together, want to, I want you to all to be deliberate about this and get it on the inside. That song, Wake Within Me. Let's not have a religious experience where we look good on the outside, but on the inside we just don't get it. I just want to see a church that just lives out of a conviction, a strong depth of conviction, that have a, a mind that's transformed, that have a heart that's renewed, that is fertile soil for the word of God to come and to make a difference in this world. That's what I want to see. And I want to see it in me. 
So we're reading through this uh, 2 Timothy, this book of the Bible. And uh, you may have heard in previous weeks, it's written by a guy called Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, which is the second, the last part of the Bible. And he's writing to Timothy. So Paul's the mentor, Timothy's the mentee. And, uh, you know, Paul was 830 miles away from Timothy when he wrote this. So he was a long way away. And that, back in that day, that was even further than it is now in, in effect because we've got the Facebook and we've got airplanes and all that sort of stuff. I thought that food was for me, but obviously it wasn't anyway. Um, Paul was what we call Timothy's spiritual father. And Paul believed for Timothy that he was made for more. So Timothy, here he was, Paul's disciple and a student. So he wrote some words to him. And we're just going to share a few of those now. So you see in 2 Timothy 2, verse 14 to 18, Paul wrote this. Repeat these basic essentials over and over to God's people. Warn them before God against pious nitpicking, which chips away at the faith. It just wears everyone out. You know, like I said, this goes both ways. He's talking about pious nitpicking. Man, I don't want to be doing that. I don't want to be nitpicking at my mates. I ran into a guy that I've known for a long time the other day, and he just started talking to me about my relationship with God and, and the church and what's wrong with the church and this and that. And it just made me sad and angry and frustrated all at once. And I thought, I actually don't want to talk to this guy at this point in time. I want to be with the person I'm with. So I said to him, look, we'll catch up another time. It, it was just this conversation and you could just feel it escalating into an argument. And I just thought, this isn't doing you any good and it's not doing me any good. And that was an example of this sort of pious nitpicking where we have our theory about what God wants and our theories about the church and our theories about the gospel, but we don't have it on the inside. And that's what I felt in this conversation. So I said to this guy, we'll catch up another time. And I walked away and I thought, I've got to do that now. <laughs> but I don't really want to. <laughs> Why did I say that? Maybe God will make a difference in that guy's life through me. Or maybe he'll make a difference in mine somehow. But one thing for sure is if we stay in this headspace, it won't do us any good. And that's what he's talking about, this pious nitpicking, which chips away at the faith and it just wears everyone out. You know, I've seen um, a lot of people that are in what I'd say is religion and they're into different faiths or religion and... A lot of what I see, they're just going through the motions and they look a little tired. This faith that we're in should energise us. It should excite us. We should be pumped. We should be, you know, we should be uh, full of energy and life. People should look at us and think there's something different about that guy. And, and they, it should be attractive. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, there were thousands of people around him all the time. He always attracted a crowd. Why? Because... This faith that we've got, this Christianity that we've got, and if you're here for the first time, I want to tell you, you can get it too. It should be contagious and infectious. If we get it on the inside and we live out of it, it should be something that's attractive to people, that people love and people want. 
but let's avoid pious nitpicking. And that's just picking, picking at people and saying, oh, you should do this or you should do that. Let's try and speak out of what God wants for people's lives and not nitpick. Um, 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 18, it says again, Stay clear of pious talk that's only talk. Words are not mere words, you know. If they're not backed by a godly life, they accumulate as poison in the soul. There it is again. You can see this alignment. God wants an alignment between the words we speak and the life we live. He wants to see a life transformed on the inside and out of that we live. You know when someone comes to you and they give you an idea or a suggestion, that's great. That's great. You should encourage that. You should welcome that. But you should also test that. Don't just accept it. When I was young, I just accepted stuff. I'd encourage you not to do that. I'd encourage you when someone comes to you and shares something, you test that. And Paul said that to Timothy too. He said, test these things. You test it. How do you test it? Well, you might ask somebody that you trust and that you've known for a long time and say, oh, I heard this the other day. What do you think about that? Check the scriptures. See if it lines up with scriptures. Pray about it. See if it lines up with what God wants for you. Because ultimately, Christianity is a personal thing. It's a personal relationship between you and Jesus. So you've got to personalise it. Let's not live based on what everybody else thinks we should do. Let's live based on what God has put inside of us because guess what? That's the best life to live. Let's test what people say to us. I'd encourage you to do that. Like it says there, then what you say will be backed by a godly life. If you don't do that, it accumulates as poison around about you. So my last scripture here is Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. And I love the message version of this. Um, it says this, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? There's those words again, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I think Joel preached on that not long ago. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So let's be deliberate about our words. When we're interacting with one another, let's just be wise, careful. Let's carefully choose what we say to one another. Let's also be careful about what we receive. It's a bit of give and take. I want to take on words that, that lift me up, that encourage me, that make me come alive. I want to test those words. And I want to have a faith that I can truly say it's my faith, that I own it, that I have this relationship. It's mine and I believe it and I live out of that. Because at the end of the day, that's all that'll matter. I won't get judged for um, Sam's life or Ben Fair's life. I'll get judged based on what I, on my life. And you know what? When I stand before God, I want us. I want Him to see Jesus in me. I want us. I want Him to say, 
well done, good and faithful servant. I want him to see that the king that he put me, the potential that he put in me, I've done the best with it. And I want to live a glorious life from the inside out. And I want to see that for you as well. Let's do that. Are we going to do that? Let's do it. Amen. Look, I would love, if anyone wants me to pray for them, I would love to do that tonight. If you are hearing this message for the first time, if you're exploring what this is all about, you know, we could have done this up on the grass and we've done that before. We could have done this in someone's house, although it would have been a bit crowded. Church isn't about the building or the four walls or the chairs or the pews or, you know, the, the songs. It's, it's not about that. Church is about interacting with our God and coming to know a bit more about him. So if you're here exploring um, this thing that we call Christianity, I'd love to speak with you. Um, and I'll be down the front here, standing right over there, if you want to talk about that. Because, you know, a long, a long time ago, I was 20 years old, and my brother told me about this Jesus and this gospel message. And it was Wednesday the 7th, 1994. And I remember that day, because that afternoon I said a simple prayer, and I got it on the inside. I'd been raised Catholic. I'd been raised, I knew the Bible, I knew bits and pieces about stories in the Bible. But that day it came on the inside and the transformation started. That could be you today. This could be your December 7, 1996. This could be your day. I hope it is. But I'll be, I'll be really willing and we've got some other guys up here who'd be happy to talk with you and share with you what we have found and what we have now on the inside, Jesus in our life. Amen. So, yeah, if, if that's you, I'd love to see you. Otherwise, have a great night, and I think we're going to sing some more songs.